Hello and welcome to Passion Youth Podcast. This is Cole and this morning we have a special guest, Fabian. He shares his testimony with us and I just love how simple and genuine it is. There's nothing better than hearing how God turns someone's life around. What's going on, guys? It's weird to be up here and just like, I was out there last year, so it's like that was fast. It's stepping up in the world. But uh, anyway, so I'm just going to give my testimony, so hopefully I'll say something that maybe means something to you or maybe not. But uh, So just to summarize a lot of my childhood when I was y'all's age, there was nothing like this in my life. Like last year was my first youth camp, and I was 20 years old, so an older youth, you know. But I never had anything like that. You know, just good family, I guess, whatever you consider good, morally sound. But uh, no church, just for whatever reason. We all know people like that. Like, love to hang out with them, love to eat with them, but no church. Say they're Christians, and that's about the extent of it. So that was me for sure. So I did good in school and all that kind of stuff. And uh, was kind of a loner in high school and kind of set me up for the future, I think. You know, so... Just went to school and went home, honestly. Wasn't into anything else. School, home, barely into school. But I did good, so <laughs> it was time for college. But what I didn't realize was that structure was really the only kind of thing that was keeping me grounded. You know, you do something for so long, and you don't realize it's, that's, that's what I am. I am school. I'm a school kid. You know? And when you're out of that, it's like, now what am I? And you have some of this freedom. And what are you going to do with that freedom, especially when nothing's controlling that except for your flesh? So went into college, felt a disconnect immediately, like not to the point of wanting to drop out, just with other people. You know, nothing was ever in me to, like, want to interact. And if it's a place that you don't want to interact, you don't have to. There's a lot of people in college, and probably most of y'all haven't been, but maybe really soon. It's a big place, and there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that would walk right by you and never say anything otherwise. So it can be a lonely place for sure, and maybe the, the vastness of it or what it seems and the people makes it even lonelier. But uh, So eventually, though, you find somebody to hang out with at some point. It's just human nature. So I did, and they're kind of sketchy, you know, fly by night. Do whatever you want to do, and don't take any lip about it. And what what you don't realize is those people that you hang out with start to influence you. You know, like you're starting to listen to what they listen to, and you're starting to watch what they watch. You don't even know why, and you don't even realize it. It's just that's what your friends do. So, in high school, I had said before, never get a tattoo. It's like no, wasn't afraid of needles. Just like, ugh, not getting a tattoo. And then all of a sudden in college, it's just like, I got one tattoo and I was hooked. I only have two now. I'm not hiding any from y'all. But uh, it, it really it can be addicting if you like that kind of thing. And I got one and I was, I was all in. I was, I was buying into the system. And, of course, they all loved it and they all got tattoos. And, and so that was me. And so you start changing and it's kind of slow. And then it's just like you hit a precipice. And you're at the top and it's like you're about to fall off. But... Like I said, it's, you don't realize that, and maybe you don't even realize it until you're at the top. And uh, so two major things kind of happened to me, I would say, to change that, where I was going, wherever that would have led. Nowhere good, I suppose. But one of them, I had this aunt. Her name is Aunt Marie. Big old lady. She's, she's actually dead now, but 
Uh, I didn't say it to be funny, but it doesn't hurt my feelings that you're laughing, so I don't feel bad about it. Uh, we weren't that close. Y'all are terrible. <laughs> the lady I referenced, and everybody starts laughing. I don't even know where to go after that. No. But uh, <laughs> anyways, ever since I was a kid, I don't know how this started or why this started, she did this thing with finger pistols. I was a little kid, so she come around and she said, hey boy, draw, and she shoot. And whoever drew first won. You know, that's, that's how finger pistols work. You get shot, the other person gets shot and you die. And so, all the time, come around the corner of the house, draw, all the time. And she's a seven-year-old woman, I'm a 10-year-old kid. I don't know how that started, but it just did. Well, one day she come around, and uh, she didn't do that anymore. And I was kind of surprised. I drew and I beat her. I think it was the first time in probably like seven or eight years. Like, yeah, like blowing off my finger pistols. <laughs> She's slowing down. But uh, no, and then it got really real for me, like real quick. I hadn't seen her in a while, and she didn't do it, and I was smiling and everything. And she comes and sits down, and she starts talking to me, and she says, you know, you used to be a good kid, and I used to know you all. And that was it, and walked away. And just kind of leaves you hanging like, used to. Like, used to know me, I'm like, I'm the same person. Or you think you're the same person. But, and then that somebody just hits you like that, with some wisdom, thankfully, you know, to make you look at yourself. Because I couldn't see it. And if anybody else saw it, they hadn't made me aware. And so that's going in my mind, but nothing really changed right off the bat. So I'm hanging out with my friends still, you know, my friends still, and they want to go out. I wasn't big into going out, but it was one of their birthdays. So I said, okay, we'll go out. So I went out with them. So get to their house, start, I don't really know where I am anyways, just got the address, got to their house. And they're going out, and we go and eat and all this good stuff. And then on the way back, they pull out some alcohol. Some kind of, I think it was vodka or something. I guess it doesn't make a difference. But, uh, and driving, I'm just thinking, I don't know about this. You know, I wasn't into that kind of stuff, honestly, anyways. And especially not somebody else driving and doing that. I mean, you get killed like that. So it, it didn't sit right with me. So I'm like, okay, this ain't going to work. You'll have to let me out or something. And so they did. They let me out. It's like, you get your wish. So it's not one of those deals like, oh, we'll put it up, we'll put it up. It's like, okay, we'll put you out. So they put me out, <laughs> middle, of the dark, middle of the night in some dark road, I don't know. I mean, I knew where my truck was, but that was about it, kind of chilly. So I just started walking back, and it's, it was just one of those surreal moments, like, one, how did I get here, and two, what am I doing here? It's like if you just look back a little bit, it's like I was so far away from this, and here I am now. Like, don't know where I am, it's maybe spiritually, physically, like, every kind of lead, uh, it's like, and what am I going to do, you know, like, I don't know what's missing, just something is missing, like, I feel so disconnected from everything around me, so I got back to my truck, and got home, and I don't know how to make it sound like, not cliche or something, but I had a Bible, and it wasn't like any kind of way that was really fancy or pretty, I just saw it on my shelf one day, and I thought, well, let me read that, and so I started reading it, and it was, that, it was honestly that simple. I wish I could make it cool, you know, it's like I, some cool way. But there was no cool way. I, I had it already in my room, and that was the cool way. I just grabbed it one day. You know, it was sitting there the whole time, probably very dusty, but sitting there the whole time nonetheless. You know, it's like ibble, scratch off so you can still see the B. But 
So I started reading it, but uh, it was a long road to hoe. It's not like I got into church right after that. I would come home from school. I'd skip supper sometimes. I just wasn't hungry. I'd go to bed and just lay there. I don't even don't even know why. I just, just lay there. It's like, what's wrong with Fabe? I wish I could tell you. You know, that kind of thing. So my sister actually knew a couple people that went to Eagle Heights. And uh, I think I might have knew one or two people that went there. And so she wanted to go one day, so we did. And I, I just fell head over heels. She stopped going, and then it was just me. And so I'd sit in the back, you know, being a loner. You don't sit up front. So I'd sit in the back by myself, like, not shaking anybody's hand, hugging people. That was very weird for me. Uh, still weird sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, it's, it's different, you know. You don't, in my world where I came from, it's not like you just go and hug somebody and tell them you love them, and it's like, I don't even know your first name, you know. It's like, or Mr. Kurt come up to you and, and break your back. It's like, I've seen you one time before. <laughs> Usually not that touchy-feely. Just, you know, when you're not used to that environment, you're not used to that kind of stuff. But it starts, it starts chipping at you. It starts changing your heart. Like my grandpa, uh, he probably a big, very good, positive influence on in my life, and I used to think it odd the things he'd do or wouldn't do on Sunday. Like, it'd be Sunday, and he wouldn't go hunting with us, and i just think, well, he's only going to see us a couple more days, and we're going home, you know? Or i get a new pair of pants, and he'd say, you'd be thankful for that pair of pants. Not everybody has a new pair of pants. I'm just thinking, I don't know if, if Jesus cares about a new pair of pants, but at the end of the day, I just didn't know Jesus was, was the point of it all. So I had kind of scoffed at stuff like that before, like, what is all this, you know? And uh, so the title, Make Me Lonely, is what I decided to call it, just because it seems so fitting. And I don't even know if that was a song that played the day that I went up to the altar, but even now when I hear that song, it's just so true to my life, you know? And that's what I felt like after the fact, when you look back at it, that's what I felt like God had done to me. You know, whenever I was walking home, on the road, walking back to my truck, it's like there was no other option. The only people that were going to take me back just put me out that quick, you know. Mom and Dad didn't know where I was. Not that I was far away. They would have come help me, but it was just there was no other option. There's no way to go. And that song, I won't sing it. No, I'm no Matt White. So uh, make me lonely so I can be yours. That's so true to me, you know, because I didn't have anything else. It's like. You're looking around, it's like, where do I turn? And the whole time it's been sitting in your room, and you just couldn't see it. So one day, whatever the song was, I don't even know. It was the altar call. I don't think anybody else was up there. <laughs> Blazed up there. I like, could hardly get out of the road quick enough. Oh, man, I don't want you to think I was a crybaby, but I was a crybaby that day. It, when it hits you, it hits you. you know? And it was just like knees shaking, couldn't hardly stand up. Could do nothing. I think I was going to go to my knees, honestly, and two guys come out the front row and grab me, unless that was just like angels or something. But <laughs> for real, I'm serious. Somebody come and grab me. I'm like, thank you, because I'm about to go to my face. Like, there was no stopping it. And so uh, whenever the song ended and the altar call was over, jetted out of that place. Well, I signed the baptism sheet. I did sign it, and then jetted out of there. But uh, got baptized a few weeks later and just... Stuff changes. It's funny how quick to the good stuff can change, too. A lot of times I think, or maybe I think, it can only change to the bad, especially in a quick manner. Like stuff rolls downhill really quick. 
but I think if you really turn over and, and sell in to Jesus 100%, I think it can go the other way just as quick, if not quicker. And I think in, in my life that maybe happened a lot quicker than I was thinking. I mean, this is only a couple years now that I'm referring to. So a lot of stuff changes quick, and I think it's because it changes in your heart. So, like, I stopped all kind of things, and it didn't just get easier, but a lot of things went to the good. And so you'll get tested right off the bat, and so I did. I think I got baptized in, like, September or something like that. So Christmas was not far off. And uh, one of my sisters, she got us some concert tickets. Would have been awesome, like, a couple months before that. Like, huge band we loved. But it, things have changed for me now, you know. And, uh, and I knew it right when I opened them. And so it's a secular band and stuff, and she's all pumped up, and everybody's pumped up. And I'm just like, I open the envelope, and I'm just thinking, oh, man, how am I going to get out of this? Like, immediately, I just felt like I couldn't go, you know. Well, I skipped the part that I said I had been going to youth and joined the uh, interns and stuff. So that was, if I hadn't signed that paper, I still shouldn't have went. But I was, I had these obligations holding me accountable, as well. You know, which was good for a up and coming new guy in the faith. You need that to keep you grounded. But uh, so I was like, I can't go to this. But I didn't tell her right off the bat, which is probably the the bad part on me. I waited till the night before. I'm not gonna lie to you, the night before the concert. And she spent like a couple hundred dollars on the tickets. But I couldn't bring myself to say it because I knew how much it would hurt her. But sometimes you have to pick between your friends and family's heart and Jesus' heart. You know, I don't know how else to say it. But it was just a tough call. And I knew it wasn't right to go. And it's either going to hurt her or it's going to hurt Jesus and hurt me. So I told her, I said, I can't go with you to the concert. And she already knew. She was very upset but she said yeah I figured that and I was like okay that was kind of easy and then it was like everything blew up so and it was really testing for a while you know you think you're close to people and but they don't understand maybe when you change you may have family members that aren't saved or you may have a brother or sister that aren't here for myriad of reasons and maybe they don't understand all the things you do and maybe that's okay they don't they don't have to understand at the end of the day all we can do is pray and hope that they will one day and so it's hard to see that, though, when you're in the midst of it. So, like, the next morning when I woke up, I woke up because everyone's talking about how dumb and stupid it was and how it made no sense and it cost all kind of money and all that kind of stuff. And so that's tough, you know. But for me, it, it just kind of pushed me back to where I needed to be with God. Like, they don't like me, but Jesus does, like. It just pushed me back into that place where I needed to be maybe for a little longer, like right there up to, well, all the time. But it just shoved me right back there like I still had nowhere else to go. Like he still forced me right there. And so next year comes around. It's getting a little better around the house. And uh, youth camp comes up. Oh, man, really totally changed my life. Like I said before, never been before. Like I'm not one to sign up for stuff. I actually didn't even. I got sponsored. I still, I still don't even know who did that. Just, I just counted it as a blessing and didn't look into it. Uh, it, I, it almost didn't matter who did it for me. It just, it just affirmed a lot of stuff within me. And so, I came and I was an intern. And so, I was serving with Brock. He's somewhere out there, and uh, he's well. He's probably not out there. He's probably running around doing all kind of stuff. But uh, oh, it was so awesome. It, 
and I was, we were doing this one hand, doing this with that hand, and, and Brock would be having me do something with my foot, and like, I don't have enough hands for all this. But he taught me so much stuff, he really did, about serving. And I, I didn't know anything about serving. You know, you help your dad around the house, oh, yeah, I can work outside. I didn't know anything about serving others like the least of these when they talk about that in the Bible. But um, he told me this really funny thing about socks. We were out doing something. It's hot outside. You know, it's probably the same temperatures last year. And setting up water and setting up this and setting up that. And he said something about uh, not everybody can be the hands and the eyes, you know, one of the parts of the body, not all the fancy feature. He said, we're kind of like the feet. Kind of like the feet. Okay, well, I don't think I smelled that bad. And uh, he said, you know, but the feet are always covered up by socks. You can't always see the feet, but you know they're there. It'd be hard to walk around if you didn't have feet. And I don't. It's a, maybe a really silly example, and maybe I don't like it. It's like feet, but it just it meant a lot to me. You know, it was just really powerful to me. Like, no, it doesn't always see everything you do. But he knows you're there and you're working and where you need to be. And later on, whenever everybody's drinking the cold water and enjoying the setup, they realize the work of the feet then, you know, they can see the fruits of their labor. So, and youth camp also, before I leave that, is probably where I learned to worship for sure, too, just to throw that in because, like, raising hands and all that kind of stuff was another thing that really was, was baffled me, just like... Like at, at big church before I had come to youth camp, just thinking like, what is all this about, you know? And then you get here, and when it hits you hard, it's just like, oh, it's just like, I don't know how to put it into words. I just keep saying it's just like a lot, but I don't know what it's just like. It just, it just stirs something up inside of you, and you can just feel it. It's just some kind of power, or, or it's just the Holy Spirit, I guess is the only way to put it. But, uh, yeah, and... and I think what was his name? The Pena Josh Payne. Yeah, that that's that's where I learned to worship. I don't. He had some kind of altar call, and the little rags. Some, most of y'all were probably there. Oh man, it's just like wow. And whenever you do experience that, it's like what have I been missing this whole time? I was standing in the back with my hands in my pockets. Like oh my goodness, this is amazing. And so, I have a couple of scriptures. I guess I'll go ahead and read them. Let's see. Psalm twenty-seven ten. There you go. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. So, and to me, that was probably true for me. My mom and dad, they didn't abandon me, but they were very upset at me, and it was touch and go, and nobody's really talking to Faye around the house. But I would go as far as to say that that doesn't have to be your mother and father. Whoever abandons you, your brothers, your friends, it, it doesn't matter. The Lord will hold me close. And so that was something I definitely clung to a lot. And then I have Psalm 88:18. You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friends. That's a pretty sad one. But at some point in my life and in that testimony, that's probably where I was, you know. Like when you're walking down the street and it's just like there's nothing, there's no one here for me, there's nothing else here. Darkness is my closest friend. But the last one is John 15, 18 through 22. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. 
Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master since they persecuted me. Naturally, they will persecute you. Whenever I found that, that just, it made everything else kind of make sense as far as whenever you're tested and tried and already a Christian, it's like, okay, like I can validate that now. I'm not on my own on this. It's not like I'm doing something wrong. It's just they persecuted Jesus. They're going to persecute me for what I believe. And so that, that's another one that I still love them all, but that one means a lot to me for sure. So to kind of finish it out, um, whenever I did change and everything, and I was talking about how it go quick to the good and being blessed, it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, just two years ago, I joined this church, and I already, already married to someone else that I've been going here, to Tristan. So I just, whew, you guys sweep them up if they're good ones. So I'm like... <laughs> You ready? I'm ready. So, and then and then giving a house. It's like stuff like that you can't make up. You know, just a house given to us. Honestly, we probably wouldn't be married if that wouldn't happen because it's expensive to rent out there. But you can't make up stuff like that. Like I didn't do anything to deserve being given a house. You know, I didn't do anything to deserve Mary and Tristan. I didn't do anything to deserve salvation, even if you want to go that far. But it's just. If you give yourself over to the Lord, he will bless that. Let's see what else I have on here. I skipped one little part. Whenever I was talking about my family and stuff, um, if you guys know anybody or, like, have family, that we probably all do, I imagine, at the end of the day, that aren't saved or so on and so forth. What I like to do now is I pray to be a conduit for them. Like once I realized I was in a place that I wanted them to be, you know, and they couldn't see that. And so all a conduit is it takes one thing to another place. Like copper is a conduit for electricity. It travels good through it. So, so let's see what I say. But I just pray to be a conduit of them and to anyone lost. A lot of times I pray to be like a bridge. If I have to lay down and let everybody else walk over me to get to the other side, that's okay with me, as long as we all get to the other side. Amen. <laughs>